Hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Good Leadership Podcast. If you're new here, I'm Paul Botts, CEO and founder of Good Leadership, and the co-host on this podcast with my colleague, Kevin. Hello, and I'm Kevin Sensenick, the Chief Learning Officer with Good Leadership and the founder of Interaction Dynamics Group, the Mid-Atlantic Partner for Good Leadership. And Paul, it's really good to be with you again today, and how are things going for you today? Hey, well, I'm doing really good today. It's summer, Mm -hmm. and I also just got my very first pullover that says Interaction Dynamics Group on it. And I'm I'm happy about that. I always love to get really really nice uh, swag. And uh, right. thanks for giving that to me today, Kevin. No problem. Well, that actually ties right into our conversation today. It's about communication. You communicated very clearly. I would love to find someone who could get me one of those nice uh, pullovers that you have. And sure enough, look at that. It followed through. It happened. You know what? Just be direct and ask for what you want. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm excited about this topic today. Yeah. I am as well. I think that communication is one of those things that, as we work with clients, you probably hear it like I do, it's one of those most often phrased presenting issues. We have a communication problem here. Uh, But I don't know how you find this, Paul. My experience is that often once you dig a little bit past that first initial comment, you find there's a lot more underlying the issue or the situation that is a communication problem. Yeah, it's very seldom are the channels broken these days, right? right? Everybody has a cell phone. Everybody gets a lot of emails. Right. You can dial in. You can use Google. You can find out whatever information you want. I, more often than not, find out that it communication is about intent and mm-hmm. motivation and including your intent to be informed and your motivation to be informed. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I'm excited about this topic is that I wrote my very first book called Inspire, Persuade, Lead about the communication secrets of highly effective leaders. And I started the research for that book way back in 1998. My first interview with with this guy named Bill George, who was the um, CEO of Medtronic at the time. And then I interviewed uh, Dick Kovacevich, Hmm. who was the CEO of Norwest Bank at the time. And he Hmm. used to say, if people don't understand you, it's your problem, not theirs. Hmm. And I love that phrase because it's all about the intent I really do intend for people to be informed and they have the information that they need in order to do their jobs well. And I've always thought about it that way. And, you know, in the book, I listed out 10 concepts of things that are important. And I don't think we'll get deep down into that. But I've always been fascinated um, by the obligation leaders have to make sure followers are informed. Well, I think the key part of that is that most people are very much drawn to a leader who can make their ideas simple and compelling. That ties right into the idea that they have the intention and desire to communicate their message well. Yeah, so one of the things I wrote about in that book was the idea that the weather forecast is one of the very best communication metaphors I, I know about. So hmm. what, is, what happens in a weather, for, weather forecast? The forecaster comes on and says, hey, we said it was going to be 70 degrees today, so let's, how do we do? Right. Actually, it turned out to be 72, and you know what? It was a really nice day, and so here's what we're predicting for tomorrow. And we think it's going to be like this in the morning and this in the afternoon and this in the evening. So they obviously make their money by broadcasting the weather. But the point is they care about helping you be prepared for your day. Mm-hmm. And they earn the credibility by closing the loop on how did they do guessing how today was going to be. Right. And so that um, forecasting and closing the loop is really what good communication is all about. Well, the interesting part about that met- metaphor also is that rarely are weather casters accurate mm-hmm. or perfect, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea that as leaders, we don't have to be perfect with our communication. We have to have the intent of wanting to inform what could be and what 
what, and then look back and say, how do we, how do, we do? So I like that connection. Because I often find that communication is less about the technique and more about the motivation. You, you hit on that a little bit earlier, just briefly. And again, I think it's a, a matter of, as a leader, we have to care about the other individual, to care about what we're communicating with them. So how do we inform them, align them, get them committed so they can be accountable to where we're going as a team? And so I think that's a key element of care that has to go into the messaging. That's the intent mm-hmm, element of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if, if we can help people to plan, to solve problems, to seek accountability together, that's a lot like the weather uh, metaphor. Yeah, like the weather report. So you got to care that people are prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we usually start um, when we measure you know, the communication skills of a team. Yeah. So let's dig into that just a little bit. How, how do you or how would you measure the communication skills of a team? So when you ask me that question, it throws me back to the very first days of good leadership almost 13 years ago. When we were measuring, we're trying to measure the success of teams, we had, you know, 85 or 90 questions we developed for a, the team momentum survey. And what we realized doing our factor analysis is that very seldom did the questions that we asked about trust or communication, mm-hmm. were they actually valid? Hmm. You know, people... It's too easy to say, well, the communica- there's just not enough communication right, here. Right. Yet they'll also say, I have 96 emails in my inbox. Right. And so what we learned is that we're better off um, measuring how communication is, not by asking questions about communication, but by digging into the other questions that indicate mm. whether people are feeling informed and prepared. Gotcha. And once we made that transition, that allowed us to say that we actually think that Good communication and trust are outcomes mm-hmm. of a team, mm-hmm. not inputs. Right. And that's kind of the opposite of what most people think. Most people view it as the input. Communic- good communication is an input to the team, not the output from the team. So, uh, so I think the thing I've gained from that concept is that you have to have something to communicate about and communicate around, which is why it's an output, not an input. Okay, so I have a very specific example of a client that worked on improving their communication because it was related to a really dramatic change in the organization. So what happened was they they had to expand the executive team from 12 to 27 people. Now, Oof. before wow. you, yeah, that, that always creates the same kind of response, but this is a, about a hospital team. Mm, okay. In hospitals, they have dyads and sometimes even triads, which means either two people or three people share a business result. Okay. But they either come from a specialty like HR mm-hmm. or um a business specialty, HR, or a medical specialty, okay? okay? And so this organization was really challenged by some one of the most basic measures of health in a hospital system, and that's infection control rates. Hmm. For whatever reason, they started to drop, and they really couldn't figure out why their infection control had dropped all the way down into the bottom fi- of, of the 50th percentile. So, Ooh. you know, below the half line, yeah. okay? And so... They were very motivated to get back up into the top 10%. Mm-hmm. So what that meant was they needed to be much more intentional about communicating the whys mm-hmm. so people could be more prepared for their daily jobs gotcha. so that their behaviors would result in less infections. Mm, makes sense. So they did it by establishing um, this idea of shared commitments, which we talked about before. Mm-hmm. but. They wanted first people to develop a relationship at an individual level as to why infection control was important. Hmm. So they started asking questions like, um, 
did you ever have an infection that was hard to go away? Do you know anybody that had one that was life-threatening? And pretty much everybody in the room had something they could talk about immediately. Interesting. And then, you know, when you're one of the worst places to be if you have an infection is actually in the hospital. Right. Because they spread all over the place. Exactly. And so, first of all, everyone had to develop an individual level of care mm -hmm. and a motivation to do things differently. Hmm. So once they did that, then they were able to start talking at the executive team level about because we all care, what are we willing to do differently even next hour when we engage people. Hmm. And so when the, when the executive team of the hospital, remember 27 people, yeah. now when they're all on the same page, they all have the same motivation. And then if 27 people leave and go have 27 meetings and start populating that care and motivation in those people, eventually that got all the way down to the people that, that prepare the food, mm -hmm. the people that take care of the linens, the mm -hmm. people that take care of the the cleanliness in the floor, because it wasn't just an ER issue or an issue that related to the physicians and the nurses and things like that. And, you know, I, I can fast forward, um, and then we can talk a little bit more about what happened. So it, in less than 18 months, they, they went back into the top 10th percentile, and at this point, they're one of the top 50 hospitals in America, and they could have never gotten there had the infection control rates been where they were before. Mm -hmm. When you started to share that story, I was thinking in terms of, what a big transition, a number of people. And I was thinking the communication challenge would be going from 12 to 27. But I like the way they went to the personal side of that. What does it mean to me first? So could you maybe share a little bit? You talked about how well it that was communicated through the organization. It wasn't just at the senior team level. Were they able to create that sense of connection to the care with, with their teams as well? Or were their teams so close to it it was a more natural connection for them. Yeah, let me back up a little bit. So their initial approach was to share data with people. Okay. But it didn't work okay. because they didn't have context and not mm -hmm. everybody was data-driven like science people are. Mm -hmm. So they realized, geez, we have to, first people have to care. Okay. So the data thing was designed to inform and they thought it would mm -hmm. create a motivation, but, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. So first of all, they had to own the fact and create a personal relationship with infections. Mm -hmm. And then once they got people to go, ooh, that's bad. <laughs> I don't feel like we're winning. Then they started feeding them the data, showing them that things were getting better by the day. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, thing when, when you have a hospital that's got 180 beds in it and you've got lots of data every day and three shifts a day, um, it's pretty easy to update information like that. Mm -hmm. So they started sharing that they were actually making a difference. So people started feeling like they were winning Mm -hmm. Then you could encourage more of those specific behaviors. And when an entire hospital is feeling like they're getting better every day, you know, at something really important to them, then the kind of energy really took over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. And as you added that in, it kind of brings me back to when, when I work with executive teams, I encourage them to think about communication in three ways. Am I, am I communicating to inform? Am I communicating to involve? Or am I communicating to inspire? Mm -hmm. and, and as you gave that second example in more detail there, I heard it moving from informing to involving and inspiring people. Mm -hmm. So now I'm informing you of the data, where we're at now, where we need to go. Now I'm involving you as part of the team to solve this. And now I'm inspiring you because we're seeing progress. And I think that's, that's when communication becomes magical. When people feel they're being informed of the right things, they're involved in deciding that, and they can be inspired to go do things differently. Now they want to engage with leaders. And I think as leaders, we need to remember that from time to time. 
So that's another really good bridge to another part of this story that I think is really important. Actually, just this morning, prior to this podcast, I was coaching with a CEO, and we talked about this exact same technique. Because sometimes CEOs and team leaders can put a tremendous amount of energy trying to explain something over and over and over again, and just mm -hmm. never sticks. Right. So one of the things that we recommend is this concept that we call the seven-year strategic story. Mm -hmm. And... It's all about the fact that context and movement helps people see things and hear things differently. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we recommended is that we revisit the vision that they had for this hospital. This is a hospital that was in a situation where they had the opportunity to really return to the glory days. Because this particular hospital at one point was recognized as one of the best ones but for whatever reason, over a period of a decade or so, it just kind of whittled down into not necessarily mediocrity, but it certainly wasn't elite anymore. Mm. So once they started wrapping their heads around the idea that they really wanted to get back into the top 50 and be one of the best examples, that allowed this team to develop a story and say, okay, let's go back in history a little bit and let's start five years ago. Mm-hmm. So if you add, if you go back five years and then look two years into the future, that's seven years. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, here's where we were five years ago. And these particular things that we're looking at, these indicators, um, that's when we started to notice we had a problem. Mm. And when we noticed we had a problem, we just assumed it get better. Yeah. But it didn't. It got worse. Yeah. So four years from now, our scores were worse than five years from now. And three years ago, it was worse than four years ago. So we were like, okay, now we really need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So then they asked the question, what do you think we did? And so people are, oh, I remember we did this, and I remember we did that. And so they got them engaged, right? So now that's communication. That's communicating to inform involve. first. Yep. Now we're com communicating to involve. Yep. And so then we did this, and then we got this done, right. and then we did this, and here we are today. Mm -hmm. So we think if we, can sit, if we continue this pattern two years from now, we'll be not only in the top 10%, we might even be in the top 5 percentile. Yeah. And that will clearly help us get back to where we want to. Yeah. And then everyone was like, okay, that makes sense to me. Now I'm willing to do this, that, and the other thing differently mm -hmm. because I see where we were. I feel the momentum. It's a really simple technique mm -hmm. that we put into almost every one of our engagements, Kevin, because mm -hmm. no one hires us to preserve the status quo. Right. We're always trying to help them get to where they're going faster and easier. And that seven-year strategic story, it's, it's one of our best tools. Mm-hmm. Well, the other part of that tool that's really valuable is once you have that inspirational sense, in this case, two years out, we're going to be here, then you can add in, here's our priorities and our strategies and the things we have to do differently to get there. So now people not understand why we want to do this and how we're going to do it, they understand what they need to do to get there. So I think that ties in beautifully to that process of the seven-year strategic story tool, but also this idea of how we communicate more effectively. There's also the ancient art of storytelling that's playing yeah. here. So if people, you're having a hard time getting people's attention, tell them you're going to tell them a story and step back and paint a mm -hmm. picture. People tune in and listen. Mm -hmm. But if we're just reporting and if we're just putting out PowerPoints and stuff like that, it, yeah. it just doesn't work. We are humans who love a good story. We love to see ourselves in something that's got positive momentum, and we love to feel like winners. Yeah. And so it's an ancient technique, but it still works as well today as ever. Well, and, and leaders always like to have a feeling they're giving a strategic plan or strategic direction to their team. And I always talk to executives and say, a strategic plan should tell a story. So I think you're exactly right. The story is the key. 
What are we talking about? And are people buying into that and a part of it? So great example of that. And I think it ties together very nicely this idea of how we strengthen our communication. As we always like to do in our podcast, though, Paul, we like to talk about our success habits, mm-hmm. those things that leaders find that they do consistently that always generate good results. So could you share a little bit some of those success habits that we could take away from this example as we think about strengthening our communication? Well, it's probably easiest to point to the fact that they use the seven-year strategic story. Mm -hmm. It's a structured way of walking people through history and actions we took and the cause effect and also showing positive momentum in uh, towards winning, towards Mm -hmm. feeling like we're winning. And so they'd tried many things before. A lot of them worked. But when they really were able to frame up that story, share it with all 27 people, have them share it with all their teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, things got better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on the relational side, helping people establish their own relationship with the um, idea of infections, but then helping people feel like they were winning together, mm-hmm. celebrating the small movements forward that were positive on a regular basis. I mean, at some points in time, people couldn't wait to hear how they did yesterday. Gotcha. And you know what? That kind of excitement and the feeling of winning is is really what got the momentum going to turn that around. Okay. So if I could recap those just briefly, when we think about the structural success habit, it's to use a clear format, such as that seven-year strategic story or some other clear messaging tool that allows us to repeat that message over and over again to build the progress and clearly communicate where we're at and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And then relationally, that we have, we talk about those wins together. Uh, and that we make sure that we're sharing those successes consistently so people see the progress. Mm-hmm. I think that last one is particularly important because most executives are trained to spot problems. Mm-hmm. We spend most of our time thinking about the exception report. Yeah. Why is this off? Right. What's wrong here? And you got to be careful what you're excited about. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I mean, we we'll go all the way back to um, 1998 when I decided to write about the success habits of successful leaders and communication secrets. One of them is about be careful what you get excited about because mm. most people put way more energy into things that are wrong mm-hmm. and get more animated and excited yeah. about things that are wrong than they do about things that are going well. Yeah. And if you care that your people are informed and engaged and have the information they need and it, that you care they're feeling like winners, you'll actually get more excited about the things that are going right than the things that are going wrong. Well, that's I, thank you for sharing that because one of the things I find with executives is they often talk about the difficulty of celebrating success. Mm-hmm. And I think it's exactly what you just talked about. They're so used to finding the problems and pointing them out. When things are going well, they say, well, things are going well. I guess I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. And they don't celebrate it. So that that's a good insight for me to take back to some of the folks I'm working with to say, how do you make why is it important to celebrate success? Not just to celebrate to make sure we're putting the energy in the right place. Yep. They have to care yeah. that people are informed and excited and prepared and confident. Mm-hmm. And if they care about that, then they will communicate and they will um, celebrate the successes. Yeah. Nice. So thank you, Kevin. I really found this conversation very stimulating. It's one of my favorite subjects. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in the public relations industry. I, I love the science of communication. And I just, I really appreciate you participating in this. And And for our listeners, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, We just can't wait to keep advancing this conversation about good leadership and leading and coaching teams. Mm -hmm. And I find 
such inspiration from hearing these examples and talking it through. And I'm sure for our listeners, you find that inspiration in what we're talking about. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I hope that we hear from you, uh, whether that be thoughts about today's topic or possibly uh, ideas of what you'd like to hear about in the future. And you can certainly reach out to us at info at goodleadership.com. That's I-N-F-O at goodleadership.com. And reach out to Kevin Sensenegg directly if you want one of these snappy new uh, bright blue uh, pullovers. There you go. (laughs) So until next time, remember, good leadership is a team sport. And it's our intention to help you build the team that helps you build your dreams. Make it a great day.